During World War II, General Douglas MacArthur needed his forces to cross a river. And so he called the chief engineer and asked him, how long would it take for us to have a bridge in order to cross to the other side? The engineer said, three days. He said, go ahead and draw the plans. That's the operative word, draw the plans. Three days later, MacArthur was getting very agitated, irritated. He hasn't seen the plans. So he calls the chief engineer, and he says, what happened to the plans? And the chief engineer says, General, the bridge is already up, and you can cross it now if you want to. But if you want the plans, you'll have to wait a little longer. We haven't finished them yet. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you identify with Douglas MacArthur when it comes to the Christian life. For if I learned anything in my Christian walk is I know that we as believers tend to be so preoccupied with our plans. We get to be so focused on our plans. We tend to be so consumed by our plans. And yet, God is at work building bridges for the work of His kingdom. God is at work opening doors for kingdom to go forward. God is at work seeking men and women who would obey His will and obey His commission. You see, we plan and we plan and we plan, but God is at work. And in the last five verses of James chapter 4, he gives us evidence number nine for faith. For those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, these verses basically continuing the same theme of submission. Submission is a dirty word. And yet, if we are to have power to overcome the three superpowers, the world, the flesh, and the devil, we have no other option but to submit to God. He said, submit to God, resist the devil, and you flee from you. The two go together. I have lived long enough, and I've ministered far and wide to know that there are some Christians who have the wrong view of the will of God for their life. They really do. (laughs) I have met some people who literally fear the will of God for their life. I have known others who say they want to do the will of God for their life, and they want to know what that will of God is, if it only does not conflict with theirs. (laughs) Now, there are some people who view the will of God as some sort of a bitter medicine. It's like castor oil. But let me tell you something. This is one of Satan's biggest whoppers. (laughs) This is one of Satan's greatest lies. He wants us to distrust in the Lord. He wants us to be skeptical of God's plan for our lives. Satan wants us to believe that God does not have our best interest at heart. And yet, our trust in God's plan for our lives is one of the evidence of genuine faith. You know that in 1966, I not only have fell in Satan's lie, and I began to fear the will of God for my life, and distrust the will of God for my life, but I rejected the will of God for my life. Why? 
because it did not conform with my plan for my life. So I rejected it. But now, as I look back, I am so grateful to the Lord for delivering me from my foolishness and not allowing me to have my own plan. Since that time and through the years, I've been through many valleys, many dark valleys. I've been through inexplicable difficulties. I've been through some painful experiences. I've been through puzzling situations and and circumstances and times. And and yet, because of that growing trust in the plan of God for my life, that it is for good and not for evil, because of my growing confidence in the greatness of the perfect will of God for my life, because of my growing experience of seeing His loving and caring and beautiful plan for my life, I'm able to testify about it and tell others about it. I remember some time ago, I was talking to a lady who was literally terrified of God's will for her life. I mean, she thought if she's going to obey the will of God, He's going to ask her to do something she doesn't want to do. I mean, she was really terrified of the will of God for her life. She asked me and expressed that fear, and I knew she was an animal lover. So I said to her, think about this. You're inside, warm house. Outside, it's stormy. It's freezing. It's raining. It's cold. And then you see a cat on your windowsill. What would you do? It took a few seconds to kind of process this, and then she started crying. And she said, say no more. Say no more. For the first time in her life, She was able to see her life from God's perspective. God does not want us to be miserable. Far from it. God does not want to ruin our lives. God wants what is best for us, even when we don't know what that best is. God wants to save us from the drenching, freezing storms of life to bring us into the warmth of His embrace. Please listen carefully. The will of God and the plan of God for our life come out of His loving heart. That's where they come from. God's will is the expression of His love for us. And when we do not joyfully submit to the will of God, we miss out on untold blessings that He has for us. But these blessings can only come as a result of joyful obedience and submission. What I'm going to tell you is really important. Listen carefully. What is the most helpless creature on the face of the universe? It's a newborn babe, right? It's the most dependent, most dependent, most helpless. Then that babe grows to be a toddler and then to walk. And they think they can conquer the world. And then that toddler becomes a child and learns to feed itself. And the child then becomes an adolescent or a teenager, and at that point they know everything. (laughs) And then that person becomes a young adult. And each of these stages of development become increasingly independent. And that's the way we want it. You don't want it any other way. But when it comes to the spiritual life, it goes in opposite directions. It goes in reverse. When a person is a brand new Christian, a babe in Christ, 
Our tendency is still to want to express our independence. We want to go it our way. We want to do it ourselves. But then when we become a little bit more mature in our Christian faith, we begin to trust in the plan of God. We begin to trust in the will of God. And then as we begin to mature, we learn the joy of submission. In fact, the most mature Christians of all are those who are most dependent on God. Those Truly mature Christians are the ones who are totally say to the Lord, it is your will, not mine, and they mean it and happy about it. Again and again in the Scripture, we see those who submitted joyfully to the will of God got the victory. In Second Chronicles 14, 11, there's King Asa who was in deep trouble. Judea is in trouble. And there he comes in and he expressed his utter dependence on God. He comes and expressed his desperate need of God, and God gives him the victory. Psalm 20 verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of who? The name of our God. In Psalm 30 verse 2, O Lord my God, I called for you for help, and you healed me. Now, beloved, if there is a desperate need for believers in this 21st century, listen to me, if there is a desperate need, is to get rid of this notion that submission to God somehow robs us of our rights or our rightful identity. Far from it. Far from it. So what is James saying here to us? Listen carefully. Here's what he's saying. Stop over-planning your life. Seek God's plan for your life. Submit to God's will in your life. Discover God's purpose for you in life and jump on it. (laughs) Verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend the year there and carry on business and and make money, and you don't even know what tomorrow brings. (laughs) What is James saying? Is he saying that we should not have any plans for life? Is he saying that we should never set goals for our life? Is he saying that Christians are supposed to be drift on the life's highway and just go along with… No, far from it. He is saying nothing of the sort. Listen carefully because he himself gives us the answer. He is saying don't make your plans based on your selfish desires and your selfish ambitions. And then go to the Lord and say, God bless my plan. But you must take time to pray and seek the Lord so that He may give you His plan so that you may obey it. I set goals every year. You say, Michael, are you not jumping ahead of the Lord? Not at all. I take special time alone with God. I try to discern to the best of my ability, listen to the Holy Spirit, and to the best of my ability as I discern those plans, those goals, I write them down. But (laughs) daily I pray to the Lord to help me obey these goals if they're His. (laughs) But that's not all, because I daily submit those to the Lord if He wants to change them. Because there is a possibility that I misheard the Lord. There's a possibility that I was not careful in listening to His voice. And so, everything I'm holding in submission to Him. He can change them. He can scrap them anytime He wants to. He can modify them. He can fulfill them. 
if his goal is not mine, I have no pride of ownership. I have no pride of authorship. And by doing this, I am daily declaring the Lord's ownership over me. I'm daily declaring the Lord's total control of me. I'm daily declaring the Lord's sovereignty over me. I'm daily declaring the Lord's prerogative. If He changes the plan, great, fine. Why should I worry? If He modifies them, wonderful. If they don't come to fruition, that's fine too. I'm at peace. I don't own them, right? They're not my plans. Listen to me. Grief and pain will come. When I set my heart on something or someone or anything and say, God, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. (laughs) Stress and pain come about when we cease to give Him complete control. Even in the things we don't understand. Even in the things that do not make sense to us. Perhaps by now, some of you are saying, well, Michael, this is fine, this is well and good, but uh, how can I really discern the mind of God? How do I I discern the will of God? How do I discover that plan of God for my life so that I may obey it and daily surrender it? (laughs) And you came to the right guy for this, because I blew it many times. Here's the first problem. When people say, I can't discern the mind of God, I can't discern the will of God in this matter, I don't know what the will of God in this situation. One of the biggest problems is that they are also, while they're trying to listen to God, they're listening to cacophony of voices. I often say my problem is not distinguishing between the voice of God and the voice of Satan. With God's grace and discernment, I'm able to discern Satan even when he tries to trick me. My problem is to try to distinguish between the voice of God and my voice when I want to answer my own prayer. And that's why I take time. It is not a secret that we live in a noisy culture. We really do. This business of multitasking stuff is diverting our attention. We're not concentrating anymore. You see, most Christians, when they say, I don't hear God, I can't hear God, I can't discern the will of God, They basically cannot discern the will of God because they are like a person inside a room, lots of people in the room, and they're all talking. And on top of that, you got a stereo and a television bellowing at the top of the volume. I mean, it's loud as can be. And meanwhile, they're on the phone saying, Hello, Lord, (laughs) I can't hear you. What are you saying? Speak louder. I can't hear you, Lord. What is this you're trying to tell me? They say, what's the use? I can't hear the voice of God. And they go through their Christian life lurching from crisis to crisis to crisis. Can't discern the will of God. In fact, I was thinking about this, and I thought of a story that comes from back in in the days of Noah. and (laughs) The days of Morse code. How many of you know about Morse code? Series of dots and dashes. Beep, 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 beep. And the story goes about... Back then, there was a job opening, one job, for a wireless operator. The reception room in that company was filled with candidates, all applying for that one job, lots of candidates. And they were all talking. They gibbering away, you know, just a lot of talk, lots of talk, and it was going on. And 
except for one guy. He came in, and he sat there quietly by himself. Everybody else was making lots of noise. He sat all by himself. Then all of a sudden, he jumped in, goes into the interview room. A few minutes later, he walks in, and he announces, You can all go home now. I got the job. Well, they were furious. I mean, these applicants were incredulous. They said, How come we were here ahead of you? How come you got it? Here's what he said. If you hadn't been busy talking, you might have heard the message that came on the loudspeaker in Morse code saying, I need a man who's always alert, and the first man who hears this message and comes to my office gets the job. (laughs) That's what the Lord is saying. You see, the main reason we can't hear the voice of God is that we are listening to all sorts of voices, not the voice of God. If you're not listening to the voice of God, you're not in tune with His will. And if you're not in tune with His will, you're not in tune with His plan for your life. And when you're not in tune for the purpose of God and His plan for your life, you are missing out on God's best for you. Now there are times when God cannot rule. I know some of you are going to get epilepsy, but just relax for a minute. Say, so what do you mean God cannot rule? Yeah. When you're disobeying Him, when you're not listening with the desire to obey, and God be speaking, He can't rule. So what does He do? He overrules. And I'm so grateful to God for that, that He has overruled in my life many times. Jonah was a great example of that. God had to overrule in his life. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. I'm going to come back to Jonah. But in John chapter 7, there's something, there's a nugget there where these miserable religious leaders were out there to trick the Lord Jesus. He said to them, he said, if you are willing to do the will of God, God will reveal more of his will to you. God will not reveal his will to those who are full of their own importance. God will not reveal His will to those who are merely trying to impress others by their biblical knowledge. God reveals His will to those whom He knows they want to and willing and desirous and to obey His voice regardless of the cost. In Ephesians 5.17, Paul said, God wants us to understand what the will of the Lord is. Now I'm going to plead with you. Don't misunderstand what I'm going to tell you. I don't always know why God does what He does. I don't always know why God allows what He allows. I don't always know why God commands what He commands. Not always. I don't know. But I'm like a five-year-old spiritual child when it says, do this, and I say, why? Because I said so. (laughs) When I grow up a little bit more, I know why. I know why my heavenly daddy did not want me to play with matches because that matches could burn me. And he loves me enough to tell me not to play with those matches because I said so. As I mature in Christ, trust and obey in him, I see why he did something or did not do something. Learning to discern And obeying the will of God is like playing a musical instrument. It gets better with practice. It gets better with practice. Did you get that? I said earlier that sometimes 
when God cannot rule because of our stubbornness, He overrules. It's out of love for us that He overrules. Jonah is like really many Christians today, much more than you even, <laughs> or even admit it. They had to obey God. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? They had to obey God. Jonah had to obey God. He did not willingly and joyfully obey God, but he obeyed God grudgingly and reluctantly. He did not go to Nineveh with all of his heart. He did not preach out of love for God and for people. He only wanted to get out of the slimy sushi food that he's been eating all the time. And after all of that, after all of that, he resented God's mercy that he shown the Ninevites. And he missed out on the blessing that can only come from joyfully obeying the will of God. You might be going along doing God's work, but you're really missing out on the blessing that God really has for you. You say, why should I joyfully obey the will of God? James gives us the answer. He said, because life is so uncertain. It is foolishness to insist on our own plan for tomorrow, because tomorrow might never come to you here. Tomorrow might be the day in which you're going to give an account for your life that you lived here. He said, life is like a mist. It appears, and for a little while, it vanishes. Only what is done for God joyfully will count for eternity. I know young people think that you are invincible. Most young people cannot see the fragility and, and the brevity of life. The hardest and the toughest funerals that I've ever conducted is when a young person dies. It's the hardest funeral. I watched young people in a state of shock. They really are. They are absolutely traumatized because all of a sudden it dawns on them, this could happen to me. But as time passes, they get back into the invincibility mode and talking as if they're going to live forever. And that is why James concludes by saying, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is a sin. It might not be for somebody else, but for him it's a sin. For her it's a sin. Listen to me. If you continue to make your self-centered plans, which ignores the call of God in your life and the purpose of God in your life, you are sinning against God. Amen. The New Testament makes it very clear that the sins of omission are treated just as severely as the sins of commission. Knowing what is right and not doing it, will be judged just as severely as the sin that is committed willfully and intentionally. Someone said years ago, it is not the mountain climbing that wears us out, but it's a pebble in your shoe that wears you out. Many of us are focusing on climbing the mountains, and don't pay attention to the grains of sand in the shoe. Stop 
and check your shoe for pebbles and grains of sand that are causing you to struggle. You say, what is that pebble? What is that? What are these grains of sand? Listen to me very carefully, please. Indifference to what is right. Indifference toward biblical conviction. Indifference toward the work of the kingdom of God. Indifference to what God hates. Indifference to what God wants you to do. Indifference to the truth that is being trampled upon now. These are the pebbles in our shoes. Do you seek the will of God in your life? Only you can answer that. Is it because you want to obey it? Or you want to compare it with yours? Do you obey the will of God grudgingly and reluctantly? Like Jonah, you had to obey. Your answer, your right answer to this question could mean the taking out of the pebble, the taking out of the grain of sand, so that you can keep on climbing the mountain with joy on the journey. With joy on the journey. Do you want that? Do you want that? Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, let the words that we've heard with our outward ears penetrate deep into our hearts so that, Father, we seek Your mind, Your will, not ours. And, Father, that we would obey it regardless of the cost because in the end... You're the only one who can give us joy in the journey, regardless of the steep mountain. We praise you for the many times you pulled us up these steep mountains. We praise you for the many times you shone the light when we're in darkness. We praise you for the times you have revealed to us how much you love us and care for us when we are so foolishly trying to wander off in the desert. May not a soul here in this room or watching around the world would listen like looking in a mirror and then go away and forget what they've heard. But let that word penetrate deep into our hearts, into our very psyche, that would transform us to the image of Jesus. In His name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.